0: Well hello and welcome. I am your host Zach Rector. This is the greatest transfer of wealth in world history right here for you. Tonight's episode we're going to break it down. Current events, cryptocurrency, and an incredible transfer of wealth. Hopefully you're on the right side of that transfer. Let's take advantage of this situation and get tapped in folks. Let's take a look here starting off. Let's take a look at the market. 23,458 for our Bitcoin. 1631 for our Ethereum. I'm gonna refresh that just to make sure we're good. 37 and a half cents for our XRP, pulling these prices off of coin market cap. Okay, let's get right on into it though, guys. Big session coming in here tonight. Let's make sure that we've hit that thumbs up, the notification bell, and if you haven't already subscribed, and uh, let's get right on into it, guys. Big session, okay. British supermarkets are rationing fruit and vegetables as shortages bite. We've been talking about this we had our prepping call postponed till this coming week okay this saturday is when we're going to be having the prepping call within my discord group if you're looking to get tapped in that's over at the website uh talking about scenarios like this you know hitting the british supermarkets we always say it can't be us oh that's on the other side of the country the other side of the world that would never happen in my neck of the woods and uh we just don't want to be caught up in this situation here unfolding pretty dramatic events to bring us into 2023. The supply chain disruptions have been going on for the last two years and uh, the inflation and the supply chain crisis doesn't go away. That's the perfect combination Or getting caught in a pickle, to put it nicely. Let's not let that happen. Let's stay prepared. And like I said, big session coming up this weekend. We've already done a few prepping calls within our Discord group. And it's all part of us just being tapped in on every single level. You guys already know the deal. Let's continue on. Gold Telegraph. The Bank of England had to save the pension system, which was hours away from a complete collapse in late 2022. Now, U.K. taxpayers might be on the hook for $240 billion to help the Bank of England cover losses from QE. If central bankers were entrepreneurs, they would go broke. Now, we're picking on England to start out this session. My mentor, Dan Pena, talked about how Bank of of England actually was, uh, well, he, he used some explicit terms to describe how close they came to defaulting in 2020. And so we've been watching England for the past couple of years. This situation just continues to develop. And now taxpayers are going to be on the hook for $240 billion uh, to cover the Bank of England's losses from quantitative easing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we titled this session here tonight, The Most Significant Global Conflict in a Century. Let's get right on into this thread here. From Jeff Seckinger, okay? Major things brewing in the Far East, the United States just 4X'd its military presence in Taiwan, and what happens next might set the stage for the most significant global conflict in a century. Wow. In case you missed it, Taiwan produces more than 90% of the world's computer chips and 65% of the world's semiconductors. The U.S. produces a modest amount and China produces much less, so everyone wants a piece of Taiwan. China's one China policy dictates that China seeks reunification with Taiwan and Hong Kong, if not through political means, then through force. The U.S. recognizes Taiwan's sovereignty and wants Taiwan to remain independent at all cost. <clears throat> now, he says both the U.S. and China and everyone else rely heavily on Taiwan for the chips. So what happens with Taiwan will affect the entire world. Should the U.S. step up to defend Taiwan's independence and go toe-to-toe with China? Or should we just start making our own chips domestically? I'll let you guys answer that in the comments down below. But nonetheless, here, folks, you are seeing that it's becoming a national security interest to secure the vital commodities and natural resources that are going to run your economy, that your people need when it comes to food, when it comes to energy, right? This has become a national security crisis and one of the most significant um, conflicts that we are going to have seen in the last 100 years easily, easily. And we're, and we're still going through this and you guys are seeing the narrative ramping up. I watched today at the UN how the Western delegation just got up and walked out of the room uh, when, when the Russians went to speak, when, when their diplomats went to speak there at the UN. Basically, they just got up and left the room. Or at some, uh, you know, diplomatic setting, some meeting that was taking place here today. So they're just ramping it up. We're talking about setting off another ten billion, and we just talk about this supply chain crisis once again, not ending anytime soon, and it's becoming a vital national security interest for every country across this planet, uh, and it's all part of the currency war, and I also consider that a commodity war as well, right? So, you know, in the United States, we have the reserve currency. And we produce very little and you know, we have quite a bit here. We have quite a bit of resources. We used to have a lot of production and manufacturing, right? But now with this new globalized economy, other countries are taking the lead and we've sat back just using the reserve currency and our military to force our might. And to, uh, you know, get to that standard of living that we, you know, once had here in the United States. But as you guys have seen with real estate prices, they just peaked in June. We've lost $2.3 trillion worth of value just in real estate since peak of 2022 stocks in decline, worst year ever for treasuries, more and more country leaving the swift system. So like I said, this is a currency war, commodity war, and it's gone live and we just continue to pray for peace continue to pray for peace, continue to try to find good information using discernment when we get, you know, these sources, even the United States, we have a tough time trusting our mainstream news, what they're telling us, the information that they're giving us on a daily basis just doesn't seem to be the full story. Now, let's continue on. Robert Kiyosaki says this, please, please, please. World economy on verge of collapse, run on banks next, savings frozen, bail-ins next. I make no money when you uh, go to buy real silver coins. I simply want you prepared for what is coming. You can buy a real silver coin for about $25. Please take care. And, And God bless him. God bless Robert. And, you know... I I, I will, in full disclosure, tell you guys that I do get paid an affiliate commission when you do go through one of my affiliate links to get some precious metals. And if you're looking to get precious metals, just hit me up and we can help facilitate that. But once again, we've been talking about this for the last couple of years, right? going to establish a relationship with your local dealer uh you know i've been showing you guys how i've been stacking precious metals here just started in the last year late to the game and so i'm trying to catch up to you guys out there but it's just so simple right taking preparations making the uh, essential moves here to operate outside of the system that's um you know closing in on those who um You know, those who are aware of what's actually happening here. Now, when we're talking about what's actually happening, we're talking about a record drawdown at the vaults. Check it out, folks. Michael from Silver Squeeze. Comex Silver Vaults totals fall below 287 million ounces, the lowest level since October 4th, 2018. Okay, lowest level since October 4th, 2018. And This is just the Comex. We have the London's Metals Exchange also having record drawdowns as well. Okay, JP Morgan transferring 3.4 million ounces of silver, open interest now equal to 217% of all vaulted silver and 1,820% of registered silver. Let's make that simple for you guys to understand. There's way more paper being traded than there is actual physical metal that you could use today. If you were going to use some silver for real utility, or if you just wanted to stuff some silver in your safe, right, we had a 200 million ounce deficit last year, countries like India importing 400 million ounces, part of why we, you know, reached a deficit is that silver is highly in demand, not only as a currency and a store of value, but also for the solar use case, right? For the solar batteries, for the new green economy that we're building out here, silver going to play a vital role as an industrial metal. So the setup's clear as day um, and and we're gonna see the demand continue, but we're also seeing global conflict putting a supply strain on silver as well. This one here from JC, first Peru plunges into chaos and now Mexico, which produces about 25% of the world's silver has mass protests there in uh, Peru and Mexico. Silver supply precariously thin and deficits running at record 250 million ounces. China demand returning and paper shorts building. Hashtag silver squeeze. Yeah, and we're starting to see now uh, China for the last three quarters now, they've been showing that they've been adding at their central bank as well. Okay. Now, moving on over here, Gold Telegraph, it's not only that we're seeing the record drawdowns and that we're seeing that they're buying the most gold that they have in 55 years, central banks, right? It's not just that. It's the fact that we're seeing JP Morgan and other entities, I'm about to show you another one, that are getting caught rigging the precious metals in the commodities markets, folks. It's very, very simple. They are rigging it and they're getting exposed, JP Morgan and others. This one, reported from Gold Telegraph, Glencore ordered to pay 700 million dollars by U.S judge for global bribery scheme orchestrated by the Swiss-based commodities trading and mining giant another one this is incredible folks and my education in precious metals just continues to expand and and you know I've never even heard of some of these these you know Glencore but we have a judgment of 700 million dollars coming from a U.S judge for global bribery scheme orchestrated by <laughs> excuse me, by the Swiss-based commodities trading and mining giant. A bribery scheme, right? sounds pretty similar to what J.P. Morgan was up to. Now, let's take a look here at this situation. The Kobesi letter shares this. The interest rates by category. This is getting a little tight out there, isn't it? First off, we have credit cards at a 24.1% interest rate. Then we have used cars at 13%. New cars at 8.7%, mortgages now at 7.1%. Total debt by category for credit cards, we're approaching 1000000000000 trillion. We've been talking about this, waiting and watching that one closely, waiting to break $1 trillion in official credit card debt here in the United States. Auto loans up to $1.6 trillion and mortgages up to $11.9 trillion. Record high rates and debt, how can this end well? That's a great question. Right. How can this end well? How can they achieve a soft landing? Daniela DiMartino Booth. Leg effect kicking in pushing insolvencies to great financial crisis heights, which Quill Intel clients already know. So huge shout out to Daniela DiMartino Booth. Quote, at least 39 large U.S. companies have filed for bankruptcy so far this year, marking the fastest pace since 2009. So this is the fastest pace of bankruptcy since 2009, folks. We have at least 39 large U.S. companies have filed for bankruptcy so far this year. The idea that this does not constitute a landing is ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, when we look at the real estate market as well, Lance Lambert shares this from Goldman Sachs. U.S. housing affordability at the lowest levels in history. So based off the Goldman Sachs Housing Affordability Index, you can see this is at the lowest level for affordability. Lowest level in history. Yeah. And so, right, I you know, what a blessing what an opportunity for those of us that have been prepared for this moment right cash on the sidelines ready to move on real estate for those of you guys that are already in real estate whether we're talking about your primary residence or you got that real estate portfolio we have to make sure we understand it's just like with our cryptocurrencies our exit strategies for our cryptos or you know, our, our, our generational wealth plan that implements both asset classes, right? It's so important to understand where we're going with this thing over the next five to 10 years. For many of you guys, maybe you've made some money in real estate up over the last 10 years since the great financial crisis, but you're seeing the data points that take us back to that level, to those lows, to the affordabilities being at the lowest level ever. The great news is if you are positioned to move, there's gonna be more opportunities than ever before. I just cannot wait very excited. Um, it pains me to see the middle class of America get wiped out, but I'm not going to let it, uh, you, you know. I'm gonna, not not going to let it bring down my family, my businesses. We're just going to keep on building. We're going to keep on setting that cash on the sidelines and patiently be ready to move on the real estate deals. I still see that a lot, a lot more cleaning up needs to happen, uh, and it's the same thing with crypto too, right? You guys hear me all the time. I'm saying that we still need to clean up the cryptocurrency space at a fundamental level. That's why I don't think that the bottom is in we still need to clean up a lot of real estate markets as well. You guys out in the Midwest are doing just fine. Your real estate's not going to be hit too hard, right? But but you you know, you guys aren't in a cyclical market like we are out here on the West Coast in these high flying cyclical markets, right? I just see more pain coming because you look at the affordability rates in my areas and it's 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 absurd. Prices need to come down 30% to actually get back to the mean affordability uh you know ratio. So we have a ways to go for real estate. I'm ready to move, I hope you guys are too. If you're already in the real estate game, hopefully you've been positioning your portfolio to succeed in a higher interest rate environment. Hopefully you've positioned your business and your household to make it through a higher interest rate environment. Now let's get right into the crypto news guys. Here we go, John Deaton. Meantime in the United States, in in the United States we are in a gray area for crypto. Everything is a security. And in the UAE, they're about to open up a free zone dedicated to crypto companies. So the rest of the world moving fast, accelerating ahead into the new financial system. In the United States, we have good guy Gary Gensler protecting everyone by saying that all crypto is a security. Fantastic. Tom Emmer, one of the good guys, the Biden administration wants to create a surveillance style digital dollar that is not open, permissionless or private that's why i introduced legislation to prevent unelected bureaucrats from stripping americans of their right to financial privacy uh we are rooting for you tom we are cheering you on here and we are ready to help uh, hold the rest of congress accountable as we talk about rolling out a cbdc as we talk about hey let's take this conversation all the way tom let's talk about the fact of why do we even have a federal reserve gotta bring it up every time we're not gonna let this just go away It is unconstitutional. Why do we have a private central banking cartel ruling over our monetary supply? Not how we were intended to be created and ran. Not what the founders intended. And you guys know it's an experiment that's been a failure. How do we know? 97% destruction of the value of the dollar. That's how we know it's a failure. If you destroy something by 97%, that is safe to say that that is a failure. Now, what we're seeing right now, crypto companies failing right this is what i'm talking about cleaning house this is what we need to happen now here's what's actually surprising to see uh is some of these digital currency group types wall street boys and girls are taking significant losses and are effectively insolvent we're now exposing it all here check it out folks big time right here from andrew update on digital currency group shared financials yesterday they have 262 million in cash on hand and owe 575 million due in may 1.1 billion loss in 2022 how's your program working out we always got to ask 1.1 billion dollar loss for this crypto hedge fund essentially is what it is digital currency group big time loss and they are functionally insolvent right they have 262 million cash on hand and owe nearly twice that due in may of this year the Genesis Trading Chapter 11 Bankruptcy and Restructuring Plan is a de facto digital currency group bankruptcy and restructuring plan. And here's what's going to happen, folks. We're going to have restructuring, right, uh, for uh, you know, bankruptcy and restructuring plans that are going to allow these guys to make it through, right? They're going to be allowed to come into compliance. They might have to settle up some, you know, they'll, they'll cut Gary Gensler a check. They'll be able to go through bankruptcy, go through a restructuring plan. Um, hopefully, you know, people, investors are able to recoup some of their losses, right? Uh, what's sad to see in the exchange is is just regular people who've invested in this technology get caught up in the bankruptcy filings. And this is what I've been warning about. And this is what we see here once again. Binance has moved $1.8 billion of collateral meant to back its customers' stablecoins to hedge funds last year again. Who does this remind you of? Now... I see people saying that this was an accident, that it wasn't on purpose. They didn't funnel the $1.8, nearly $2 billion worth of customer funds uh, to their own trading hedge fund uh, on purpose. It was an accident. That's to the level of uh, you know protecting Binance we have in order in the cryptocurrency space, which God bless them. I hope that's the case. I hope it's true. I hope it's an accident. But regardless, it reiterates the point on why we don't trust these exchanges, why we don't expose ourselves to third-party counter-risk, why we get our long-term holdings the hell off these exchanges, right? Um, And and we've been talking about this. There's a few exchanges that are working just fine for me, right? Right now, I'm using Uphold to accumulate. I'm using Qcoin to trade. They're They're doing me just fine for now, right? But I'm watching closely, and we're watching little situations like this happen with Binance, Right. See, first, first it was they were only going to allow transactions over one hundred thousand dollars coming from uh, Silvergate or, or the one bank. Right. Then it was all U.S. banks now shut down for funding your Binance account. Then, it, it, and that was just supposed to be temporary. Then Binance, out of nowhere, shuts down the Australia market for perpetual futures and options trading. Out of the blue, just shuts it down. Now it has been exposed, that they moved nearly $2 billion worth of collateral that was supposed to back client stablecoins. And CZ's come out with some tweets trying to clear it up. And like I said, the, the Binance bros are protecting CZ, saying that uh, it's all fine. It was just an accident. But regardless, that's fine. I'm rooting for everyone in the cryptocurrency space to make it. Everyone who's legit, building utility, solving problems that the world needs, I'm rooting for you. But this is the reason why we get our cryptocurrencies off of these exchanges so that we don't get caught up in these mess. Whether it was an accident or not, just remove the potential for you to even get caught up in the mess. Once again, I'll let them do the explaining. I'll let these guys argue about whether or not it was, you know, once again, I'm not rooting for Binance to go and solve and I'm not rooting for anybody in the crypto space to lose. I just want us to get cleaned up get regulations get the level playing field and may the best crypto project the best technology win the best companies win the best entrepreneurs win not have to cut Gary Gensler a good guy Gary check you know pat gary on the back to be able to do business in the United States that is not what i want but once again what is going on with the customer funds here at Binance continued issues you know they say that you know this is just irrational Binance fud That's fine. I I hope that that is the truth. I'm just warning my audience and just trying to protect my audience. It's not trying to FUD, Binance, or any of these platforms. And when when I see the Wall Street Boys lose, though, you know, I I, I don't feel bad asking them, how's your program working out, making fun of the fact that they just took a $1.1 billion loss in 2022 for Digital Currency Group, right? (laughs) When the Wall Street Boys and Girls take an L, we can make fun of them. Major, here we go, folks. Check it out. This is what we've been waiting for. We have test using the stellar as a public interconnected blockchain and included all of the steps that a user would have to conduct for the use of a tokenized on-chain version of the digital real folks. We have a major test right here from Brazilian digital real passes public blockchain pilot test with flying colors, a tokenized version of the digital real, the Brazilian central bank digital currency passed a public blockchain test successfully. This test was ran on Stellar, and this was out of the blue. I didn't even know that they were working with them, right? Um, but it was really working on kind of a public blockchain pilot um, for, you, you know, kind of being held at the retail level, like a retail CBDC, and it passed with flying colors. This one from uh, Stellar being reported here by Bitcoin.com, okay? And we love to see it. And I actually, guys, uh, I'm going to be doing a Stellar deep dive part two, or at least a, a Stellar update. A stellar 2023 update because we see this news um and then even uh, just going back and seeing some of the things that i missed towards the end of last year stellar making strides stellar making progress and uh it's it's tough to track all of the movements because they're kind of quiet the way that they move but then we just get uh, deals like this announced out of the blue that they tested the public blockchain here for the use of a tokenized on-chain version of the digital real and it passed with flying colors. So we love to see that. I just played the clip for you guys, one of the last streams here that I just did on Danelle Dixon, Jen McCaleb talking about in Ukraine, about how they're helping Ukraine, not just with work on a CBDC pilots and stuff, but actually for their full encompassing strategy for digital assets. So you know, just the full consulting role in using distributed ledger technology. Massive, massive partnerships for Stellar, absolutely. We're we're going to be revisiting that project for sure. Now we have this from David, David Schwartz. He says, Truth shares this post from Reverend Daniel. No one plays a bigger victim than any oppressor who is suddenly given a tiny taste of what it's like to not have all the power. Are we bringing the power back, David? Are we getting something done here with this little precious XRP cryptocurrency, God bless him. Now we have a major, major checkmate by Stuart Alderati, the chief legal officer at Ripple. He says this, Crypto Lawyer PSA, Chair Gensler has again proclaimed that every cryptocurrency except BTC is an unregistered security. He now must recuse himself from voting on any enforcement case that raises that issue since he has prejudged the outcome. Antonio V. SEC Eighth Circuit, 1989. So he's pulling up some prior case histories and prior case law. Apparently, Mister Gary Gensler, with the most recent claims, must now recuse himself uh, for from voting on any enforcement judgment uh any enforcement case, I should say, because he has already prejudged the outcome. And this is what John Dean's been talking about. Right, where we're looking at the facts and the circumstances surrounding each individual project. And we've been saying this from the very beginning that the case with Ripple XRP is very clear. We're about to get clarity for XRP. Ripple may have conducted some investment contract offerings through early sales of XRP, getting packaged up as options, getting packaged up in different investment contracts that has allowed them to move their business forward and is one of the leading companies in blockchain distributed ledger technology absolutely with the most banks and financial institutions that matter partnered up with them the most amount of cbdc's built on the xrp ledger right and the facts and the circumstances around this are very clear xrp not a security some of those sales from ripple let's cut good guy gary a check and let's carry on like uh, like david schwartz says. We go through the door, we shut it behind us, and we're going to have to carry on with our business. We tried to have a level playing field. We want the Hinman emails to go public. We want the people to see the truth. But it just couldn't be that way. I don't know. We'll see, right? We'll see if we get the Hinman emails. We'll see how this case ends, if it settles up next month, if uh, the judge rules on the secondary sales next month at her summary judgment ruling. That's what we're hoping for. What we're hoping for is that for the secondary sales, she says, you got the green light. And, uh, you know, Ripple wants to continue fighting the fight uh, for those investment contracts that they offered those early sales of XRP. We'll see what happens. Uh, not holding my breath, not getting my hopes, uh, my hopes and dreams up for next month. ISO go live uh, summary judgment ruling. Cryptos are going to the moon, all of our ISO coins are going to pump, and XRP is going to send it. But I am actually going to show you guys some interesting TA at the end of this session in regards to XRP, getting ready to <laughs> move, move, move back on up. And so uh, we're going to have to take a look at this, folks, but um, once again... Stuart Alderati with the massive checkmate towards the SEC, and uh, this case is just very clear to me. They never had a case. Gary does have a case against many of the cryptocurrencies, but not against XRP. And um, you know Ripple will be happy to cut them a check and continue on. Now, this is this is summarizing the situation so well right here from, from uh, Blood or Crypto on Twitter. He says, the fun part about investing in the future of finance is that nobody knows when XRP will be implemented into our financial system. It can happen in two hours, next week, next year, literally any day. You will only know when you see a green candle to the moon. Our time will come. And that's what I've learned after being in the XRP community for four or five years now, being in this SEC lawsuit for two years. I've learned patience. I've learned that this thing could easily go at any given time. You know, the deals are are, are definitely getting done behind the scenes. As far as this being reflected in price action, it can happen at any time. We're in a staged lawsuit. It could be settled next month, could be settled next week, or maybe we're going to fight this all the way to the Supreme Court until 2025. God willing, it won't won't take that long. And God bless the XRP community for the patience that we've all had to develop. But once again, our time will come. We know that we have the truth on our side. These guys are doing everything they can to hide the corruption at the SEC. And it goes deep. It goes so deep. Now, when I talk about deals getting done behind the scenes, this is what we're looking at right here, folks. Crypto meme guy shares this. December 2017, 15 senior executives from JP Morgan in Ripple's office. Why were that many executives there? At almost the same exact time, XRP goes into escrow. Now, now, remember guys, We've heard stories that basically JP Morgan w- was trying to w- w- was trying to swoop some Xrp like like you know some people say that they were trying to get a lot of XRP maybe they were trying to buy out like a-, a serious chunk of that escrow but the word on the street I mean and obviously if you send 15 senior executives to the office of Ripple there's a little bit of interest right you don't send over 15 senior executives to just go have coffee and donuts and, and shoot the shit for, for, right. You, you send 15 executives over to do business. And uh, we know how JP Morgan operates. We, we know how they like to operate in the power that they like to wield. But then it's almost as if that escrow was a way for ripple to protect that XRP supply that they had, right? It basically forces them. Now they can't even be tempted to sell off those big chunks of XRP, right? They could do pre-allocation deals. Obviously they could do some sort of options. Um, and, And obviously when this case is done, we'll figure out how Ripple is going to be able to disperse the rest of the escrow. I believe that that's a big part of what this case is being fought about. But it's so interesting that right at that exact time that we had 15 senior executives from JP Morgan heading to Ripple's office, right after that Ripple securely puts the XRP in escrow time-locked and um, really, really, um, you know, a way to protect that XRP supply. Shortly thereafter, next year, June 2018, we get the Hinman Ethereum free pass speech. Three months later, Gary says this to his MIT students. So we're talking about JP Morgan. We're talking about the banking elite not wanting to lose power, right? Well, check this out. This is from Gary Gensler. Just three months later, after that Hinman speech, and then right in December of the year before, that was when J.P. Morgan met with Ripple, and we know that Gary Gensler was talking about XRP, its utility as a bridge currency, while he was at MIT, right? But listen to what he had to say here.
1: Central monopolist with another central monopolist, a lot of commercialists central monopolist with another central monopolist, a lot of commercial banks aren't terribly excited about that. Maybe you're going to have to give some ownership. Maybe you'll have to give 50% of your ownership to the 20 banks that are now, you know, part of this. I mean, there are other ways to build incentives. Maybe you put a native token in there and you give, you give, you know, them the native token, you know, so there may be other incentive ways to beat the current monopolist <laughs> And, 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 you know, but, but I, having been around commercial banks for a long time, they really are looking for ways to, um, uh, to, to replace their aggregators in their back office, whether it's clearing, settlement, exchanges, uh, credit agencies. But they are deeply understanding because they're, they're, they are pretty ambitious and very good at making money as well they deeply understand that every idea that's pitched to them is somebody who currently is small, but wants to get big and gain market power. So they're also, they're also always thinking about how to ensure that there's a check to slow down your startup from gaining market power five, 10 and 15 years from now. They don't want you to be the next clearing house like, Uh, the chicago mercantile exchange or intercontinental exchange they don't want you to be the next um, central node of market power so you might share some of that with them or you might find an incentive system
0: he says you might find an incentive system kind of sounds like an escrow right where you give the old guard time to actually roll over to the new financial system, right? By locking it in the escrow, but you could still be able to do pre-allocation deals. Like for all we know, JP Morgan could have 5 billion XRP with their name on it at the escrow, right? But this was a way to go around and to get all of the old guard, give all of the old guard and, and basically anybody in the banking financial institutional world, anybody in payments, anybody in settlement, any money provider, the opportunity we have, this supply of XRP, we're selling it at this price. Do you want to do a deal? They did option contract with R3. Seems like they've now changed up their the, the way that they're doing that. But this escrow bought time. He calls them the monopolists. It bought them time, right? And it's so interesting that it happened and coincided right after they meet with J.P. Morgan, right? And he's talking about an incentive plan to get these these guys to... to get you on board before you become the new version of the CME, right? And this is what I've talked about from the very beginning of making content on social media, is comparing Ripple to the IMF, comparing it to the BIS. They've created a world reserve currency, and they're working on creating as much liquidity as a G10 currency, but they can settle up anything, right? So so you have the role of the IMF, issuing that world reserve currency in XRP. But then you also have the BIS bank of international settlements where you're settling up everything. Right. And so I compared them to being more powerful than a central bank because they're on that clearinghouse level. Right. And it, it, it it's almost like this is just the way the world works. If, if you want to come in, you want to play ball, like David's Twitter banner switched to, right? If you want to play ball, if you want to get through, you're going to have to give up a little something. You're going to have to give us a little XRP. We're going to need to put, you know, our name on about $5 billion of that escrow, please. That's what R3 tried to do. So we know that we're not just making this up. This isn't just crazy theories that the XRP community is making up. Understand that R3 is not just one bank. It's so much bigger than just a Bank of America announcing that they want to use XRP, right? This is a whole consortium of banks, and at the time, it included J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley, some of the biggest banks in the world were part of R3. That's why Ripple gave them that, you know, that options contract is because they wanted to be introduced to all these partners and buddies of R3. The deal goes sideways. One year later, Brad cancels it, and then they settle up for one billion XRP. But just think of that: we only have, you know, about fifty billion XRP in Ripple's control between the escrow and what they have in their accounts, right? Some fifty-some billion. That's only ten deals. That's only ten R3 deals for five billion billion XRP. Are you telling me that Ripple hasn't conducted any other pre-allocation deals? that are for billions of XRP? The R3's been the only one. No. No. In fact, well, we have the data. That's the beautiful thing here. Ripple is so transparent and gives us the numbers. They were able to sell $9 billion worth of XRP to their on-demand liquidity partners in 2022. So simple. Right? Let's just, for, for, for making this math easy right? Average price of XRP, about 50 cents, give or take, you know, so you you double that and, and you can, you know, do the calculations, do the estimate on how much XRP that's actually, you know, divvying up to their on-demand liquidity partners. But, but once again, you're telling me that R3 is the only deal that they've done, a pre-allocation deal an options contract for billions of XRP. Well, we know that they've talked with 50 central banks They already have 400 banks and financial institutions. And we now know that they're buying billions of dollars worth of XRP every quarter. Every quarter. Right, it was nearly $3 billion worth of XRP that was sold just in Q4 alone. So the ODL sales are ramping up. And this was so key, is Neil. Neil Hartner came on my show, or on my Twitter space, and he said that Ripple doesn't want to give up as much XRP as their on-demand liquidity customers want. So for obvious, I mean, obviously there, we can take a look at that and say, okay, obviously Ripple believes in the future value of XRP more so than they do today's 40 cent value. They're returning nearly 80% of the escrow back into escrow and they went out and shelled out $8 billion cash to buy XRP. So I, I think that they have way less XRP to give up because I would assume that there's been some pre-allocation deals. This is my speculation. I would assume that they've, you know, done a few other deals for pre-allocating XRP. Some somebody else has their name on some of that XRP that's in the escrow, right? And so Ripple has way less XRP available to give out, I think, than that we're being led to believe because of those contracts. But then they also don't have a willingness to to give up as much XRP as the on-man liquidity customers want. And this is what I was talking about the other night is that they would much rather just see the price go up to be able to facilitate more liquidity versus them having to release more XRP. So they actually have an incentive to, to keep that XRP in their possession, but just let the market take XRP up to a higher price to facilitate the liquidity that's needed. Right, there's two ways to get the, to the liquidity that you need. You either have a higher price or you have more supply. Right now, XRP's at 40 cents. You can you know, settle your XRP every three to five seconds. Obviously, you could use more XRP uh, or XRP more than once in a day, obviously, sure. right? But Neil said that they're doing about $250 million a week in volume. Okay? We can't quite calculate how much they have there in their ODL liquidity pool based off that because we don't know how quickly they're turning over the XRP. Are they turning over the XRP every three seconds? Are they turning it over every 10 seconds? Are they being conservative and only reusing XRP every minute or every five minutes? right we we don't know how that part of the calculation so even though i got the numbers from neil in that god bless him i really appreciate him for sharing us some info on odl and he described the growth outside of the united states like wildfire but he said 250 million dollars per week is, is what they're moving in odl settlement okay and it's you know basically nine times almost 10 times year-over-year growth in odl volume and then obviously the sales have gone up um Nearly the same rate as well. Right, it was 2021, I believe there's about a billion XRP, one or two billion XRP, one or two billion dollars worth of XRP sold in 2021, I believe, and then 2022 is nine billion, or actually no, it was even more than that. I can't remember the exact numbers, but you get my point, right? Nine times year-over-year year growth, and now the key part is that we see 60% of RippleNet transactions are now on ODL. So for all the people that are saying, oh, they're just using Ripple's tech, they're not using XRP. No, sixty percent of the transactions are now using XRP. So that's a big time difference from the years past, right? And this is only ramping up. And once again, Ripple's holding on to their stash for some reason, one one reason or another. Whether it's you know a lot of it's pre-allocated, and they have way less XRP than we think because it's already allocated in pre-contracts and options to other entities, right? Or if they just don't want to give it up because they want to keep it for themselves. So, once again, this uh, situation here with good guy Gary Gensler giving us the spiel back back in the day here. Explaining XRP is a bridge currency. Explaining how the incumbents aren't going to let you come in and play ball unless you cut them, c- cut them a, give them a slice of the pie, I guess is the nice way to put it. And so this is, you know, I, I think that J.P. Morgan tried to strong arm Ripple when they showed up with 15 executives back there in 2017. But Ripple's strong. I think that Ripple knows what they hold, and I, I think that they know um, their positioning, right? The the big hitters that are on their team uh, is is the all star team of the cryptocurrency space, and some of the biggest hitters in the banking world. I mean, the 43rd Treasury of the United States. Is 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 no small task to get them to even talk to you, let alone come be on the board of directors, right? Along with former vice president of the Fed, Michael Barr. Um, the the list just goes on and on. Right. So I think that Ripple was able to hold their own just because they they have such a strong team. They 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 have such a strong understanding. Um and, and they've done deals in the past where they've lost. Like on the R three deal, it kind of went sideways, didn't end up working out as planned. And that was a learning moment for them right? So next time they go to cut a pre-allocation deal for 5 billion XRP, they're going to have learned not to make it last for three years, not make it, uh, underneath a penny like the R3 option was. Um, but I do believe that, um, once again, we're just seeing a setup here where I think that people are really overestimating how much XRP is going to be circulating and available for liquidity. That's where this all comes down to at the very end. Uh, of basically my conclusion of all my research that I've done on ripple XRP, studying the market reports and looking at all of the contracts and deals that they've been doing for years is that there's just way less XRP that's going to be available for liquidity than we think. So let's, uh I got a few more here now. This is just to reiterate the point even further. This point when uh, Nathan price ripple BIS XRP group Two B. We need more than one percent crypto asset exposure for the banks large exposures framework they are scared so what he's showing here is this is a letter from ripple to the bis right here and let me show you guys right here this is what ripple sent to the bank of international settlements right here okay in regards to the basil's new rules okay the basil committee on banking supervision their consultation paper in 2022 this was September 30th of 2022. And they talk about how the consultation paper proposes introducing these measures. Limit set at 1% of tier one capital. Limit applied to jointly to all group two uh, crypto assets on gross exposures with no netting or recognition of diversification benefits. Ripple believes this proposed group two exposure limit as currently designed is not sufficiently risk sensitive and will constitute a significant constraint on the extent to which banks can participate in crypto asset markets. So they say, as we can see from figure one below, the estimated exposure limit for select global banks will be in the range of approximately one to 2.5 billion. So basically Ripple's saying, Nathan puts in right here on the side, we need more than that a lot more and you can see here if basically if they're only allowed one percent and a limit applied jointly to all group two crypto assets as well right then we're only going to see the estimated exposure limit for a jp morgan chase that has 246 billion dollars of tier one capital you would only be getting one percent of that at two billion two and a half billion USD estimated exposure limit. Okay, so this is how they come up with the calculation: um, one to two point five billion, and they're saying that we need more than that. Yeah, and, and and I would say that the liquidity crisis needs more than that as well, right? As highlighted, highlighted in the 2021 Ripple response, Ripple believes that the 1,250% risk weight for Group 2 crypto assets proposed by the BCBS in the 2021 consultation paper is not sufficiently risk sensitive to account for the various economic functions and purposes served, served by crypto assets and is overly conservative. Okay? So. They say this in, in basically in conclusion. Therefore, we respectively request that the BCBS reconsider this proposal to allow netting and diversification benefits for the group two exposure calculation. Additionally, the group two exposure limit should be aligned closer with the large exposures framework in order to be truly technology neutral. So basically, Ripple's just saying that we need a lot more exposure to crypto assets for the banks and financial institutions. Way more than what the what the Bank of International Settlements is suggesting. Here's everyone. Okay, let's 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 check the TA guys because this is actually interesting to see. Um I would love for this to occur. Remember, this is not meant to be financial advice, but let's just take a look at this from Dark Defender. Little bit of technical analysis. XRP followed a path almost identical to the historical pattern we set. Triangle all, uh, tri- sorry, triangle has all its energy accumulated now on March thirty first. However, if you count the bars in the historical data, we can expect to touch fifty four cents earlier on the thirteenth of March. Fingers crossed. Okay, so let's take a look here at this chart. This this piece of art here from dark defender it says based on the same historical pattern we can expect to touch 54 cents by march 13th we set the historical structure here and it does show the potential for us to go back down to a level of about 34 cents you know and i was thinking i was thinking that how perfect would it be to go touch 33 cents one last time before xrp starts to move up so we're going to be watching that one closely um but this structure is just winding up so tight, so ready for a massive breakout, I think that nobody's really ready for this move. Um, and and even just going back up to that 50 cent level, that's a big psychological level, that, that 55, 60 cent range, we've chopped sideways in there before, and um, what do we call it? I think the 60, uh, 60 cent iron wall, or the iron curtain, I forget what Alex Cobb coined that term, Uh, but yeah, we're looking at going up to that 55, 60 cent level upon this breakout. And he's saying from the historical pattern, we could be moving back up here by, uh, basically the end of March, which coincides with a lot of things taking place next month. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how that structure plays out. We do have some good news. Mr. Huber shares this one with us. XRP shorts just made an all time low for the first time since they have existed so as far as xrp shorts we're at the lowest level ever since they have existed let's roll on over take a quick look here bitcoin 15 minute chart this thing's kind of just been chopping sideways at 23.5 we've been moving between 23,000 and 23.6 basically and been doing that for the last uh little bit here last couple days and we're just gonna have to watch this one closely guys i think that um what did, uh, let's zoom out actually. Let's take a look here at the four hour chart. Four hour chart. And we're looking at March 7th, guys. Coming in for the next full moon. So I have it right there. That's, that's kind of the chart, the time frame. I'm looking right there. Full moon, March 7th on that vertical line right here. So let's see if Bitcoin's going to make one more move down. Let's see what we can do. Um, little window of opportunity right here. And 25200 is where we're at on the top. On the top of this uh, most recent trading range. Okay? Watching this one closely. Not in any trades currently, but just watching it closely. And uh, if you guys are looking to get tapped in with our group, we would love to see you guys. Like I said, we got a big week ahead. Tomorrow, actually, I'm going to be appearing on Crypto Lulu's podcast. I think he's going to release it next week is the plan. And so we're going to be sitting down tomorrow morning recording that session with Crypto Lulu. That's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that and a lot of big sessions on the way. Like I said, guys, just head on over to my website and hit us at that contact page. Get in touch with us, whether you're looking to just get on our newsletter or get tapped in with the community. Uh, it's all available over there at the website, ZachRector.com. Okay. And with that being said, I just want to say thank you to everyone out there. Feels good to be back on TikTok tonight. Uh, Was, was, you know, missing from TikTok for a week. First session back in the house here on TikTok as well. And we're just going to keep on plugging away, guys. A lot of events taking place. Uh, We are prepared on every single level. Going to be doing another updated prepping call at the end of this week on Saturday. Okay? A lot of important, crucial sessions coming up here in the Discord group. If you guys are looking to get tapped in, just go over to the website, sign up for the Patreon, and that's going to get you into the Discord group, okay? Really do appreciate all of you guys. If you could do me a big favor, let's just smash that thumbs up on the way out, hit that notification bell so you don't miss any of our content, and I will see you guys in the next one, okay? Thank you so much. God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Greatest Transfer of Wealth with your host, Zach Rector. Please remember to follow us over on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Rumble. To get in touch, please just head on over to ZachRector.com. You can check out all of our affiliate links and get access to our exclusive Discord community over at the website. We appreciate all of you for tuning in. And all that we ask is that you share this message with other like-minded individuals. If you appreciate the show, feel free to go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We will see you in the next one. Take care and God bless.